We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you, uh, we're recording this on the second of two consecutive off days. Nice to get a little breather, even after a couple of losses. And very excited to record this episode because we are recording with one of the newer members of the KFS family. If you have been checking out the old podcast feed um, or checking out our our activity, our, our goings on on Twitter, uh, you will know that we've been doing a little thing called KFS Study Hall in which we talk about this team with the with the Twitter fan base, Twitter fans, right? Are there any other fans? Those are the only fans that exist, Twitter fans uh, of this team. We've been doing it some different times, but now we've been doing it, I think, on Saturday mornings. It's been going very well, and that is because of one of the hosts of KFS Study Hall. Should I say Sean with a W or Sean? I don't know how I'd introduce you. How do you want to be introduced? You can call me whatever you want. My mama <laughs> named me Sean Hardy. You can call me Sean Hardy. I'm I'm 39 years old and I still don't have the answer to the question when people are like, what sh- what do you prefer? Because I I'm like, I my answer is the same as yours. Call me whatever you want. You call me John, call me Jonathan, call me Macri. Mm-hmm. You know, I still have students or I had students that call me Mr. Mac and Cheese. Which was less less than plus. Yeah. Oh, that was a thing that happened for a few years. Shocker. So I just want to encourage everybody that's listening on the podcast to watch on YouTube because what I just did in post is change John's name to Mr. Mac and Cheese for the rest of this YouTube video. <laughs> I was about to say for the rest of the live live. Maybe life that may be what your YouTube name is going forward, John. Mr. Mac and Cheese. I yes. didn't mind it. Um, Sean, hello, sir. How are you? 
I am doing well. Um, glad to be here. Uh, it's amazing. If, if you had told me years ago that one day I was scrolling on Twitter and Twitter.com suggested I follow some guy named Jace Mac, JC Macri MBA. And the picture that he had looked so professional. I actually thought you were like some guy from some fledgling sports network. Like a real and person. You know, you were just a guy in your living room. Just guy. Tweeting, live tweeting games, and then hopping on Periscope after the games. Oh, and I would miss Periscope. I would actually make it, and this is the um this is the kissing ass portion of the show. And no, I would it. make it and I would make it a, a point to make sure like not only watch your periscopes, but if I miss them, watch them the next day because you can go back and watch them. And there are times where I missed three or four. I would watch three or four of them because I found your insights level headed and enter and, and level headed and entertaining which is what I aim for. So if you had told me that I'd be on this show, if you, well, that there'd be a, a podcast and I'd be here, yeah, right? I would have not, yeah, I would not have believed you. So I am honored to be here. Um, and thank you for having me. Sean, if you had told me that some, that some <laughs> just laughing, right? Because I know as we're going with this, that there was going to be a show, like I would, we, someone could refer to like, you know, th this show, I, I would have, um, yeah. Those were the those were the days of Periscope, man. I the it, actually before Periscope, the first man, it was like it was the first couple I ever uploaded. It was after the All Star break in the season that KP got injured. When, so when did he get get injured? Twenty twenty seven seventeen eighteen. Yeah, yeah, seventeen okay. eighteen. So like starting after the All Star break that season, I was like. I decided just during the all-star break, I'm like, I'm going to start making little videos to recap each game. And the first ones I recorded on, and then would like upload on or like what record and then like tweet out. But the video, you mm -hmm. can only tweet out. What was it? It's like 200 to um, yeah. two minutes, 20 seconds. Yeah. And like the first time I tried to do one, I had to do like three takes because I had to get it compact. And it's, as you probably know, well, by now, uh, I'm not very mm -hmm. good at containing my thoughts in a short period of time. Uh, yeah, so that was a challenge. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is exciting because we we we've recently expanded the KFS team, and you're um, a huge part of that. Um, so I figure you know, be a good opportunity for people to get to know you a little bit, and and then we'll get into some Nick stuff, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, like I guess I don't know. Let's let's start here. How long have you been a Knicks fan for? Well, give me a little bit of your backstory. I have been so... Uh, You're like my age, my, right? You're a little older than me? Yeah, I, yes, I am 41. Actually, I'm 41 and a half. Uh, I have been a Knicks fan since 1992. Okay. And I became a Knicks fan because... I became a Knicks fan during the Bulls-Knicks playoff series in 92. And back then, riding the school bus to school to IS-181 in the Bronx, shout out, um, we were, the bus was split of Nick fans and Bulls fans. And by Bulls fans, I mean I was, Michael Jordan fans. Yeah. So we're in junior high school. So I'm 11. 
And every day on the bus, it would just be back and forth. Like, like we get to a stop and a Bulls fan would come on, like, see what happened last night. The next time, Knicks fan get him. And I didn't have a team, but at the time I said, I don't understand. We live in New York. Why is anybody rooting for the Bulls? I, it's a great question. And I, and that, the rest of sister, I'm like, I'm a Knicks fan. Now, it's ironic because my favorite football team is the Baltimore Ravens. So I didn't really practice what I pre- preached down the line. Right. And yes, I, and I know that because I know I'm talking to a Steelers fan. So I, 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 I can't even, I'll be stop right there. I can't even call myself a Steelers fan anymore. Like they'll be on national TV. They'll be playing like a Monday night game and I won't even like turn it on. I'd, ra- I'd at this point, I'd rather watch a magic, a magic, uh, like jazz preseason game than watch like a big quote unquote big Steelers game. That's how out I am on, but that's more the, how out I am on the NFL. I don't, you know, it's not, well, but the, 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 the I still the, hate the, the Ravens though. The, yes. And the, and the automatic look of disgust on your face for those who are listening. When I yeah. said Baltimore Ravens, let's see, it's still in there somewhere. It's, so in, I oh, say it's res- in there. Yes. So I say respectfully, fuck you. Um, <laughs> And enjoy the rest of Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny and Kenny Pickett this season. I know who but those yeah. play. I know who those people are. I know one is a quarterback who definitely stinks, and another is a quarterback who probably stinks. But at least we should, you know, p- p- just play him to be be sure whether he stinks or doesn't stink. See, I know that much. So, uh, so that's my that's my Knicks origin story. It's pretty simple, and I've been with the Knicks. I've been riding with the Knicks ever since throughout the entire nineties and the depths of hell that have uh, gone on since then. Uh, and I'm still here. And I'm now raising my son, who is six-year-old, to be a Knicks fan in the hope that they will turn it around so he can have joy that I felt in the 90s. But hopefully it does not end after like 2029. I mean... I feel comfortable. This is a safe space, right? I feel comfortable calling this a two-decade run of futility. All yes. the all the respect to Andrew Claudio's beloved, beloved two thousand. You mean the year that they were the two seed and won fifty four games, John? That's futile. You're right. And they weren't a real contender then. And the and the weren't a real contender going point, five and two against the two teams that made the finals. And they walked into Game One at the Garden against Indiana. And they took a big, stinky poo. J.R. Smith court. was bad, and Tyson Chandler missed, uh, forgot how to guard Roy Hibbert for some reason. Listen, I'm not saying that season didn't. Seven. It wasn't. The guy was fine. He did exactly what he was during the season. I'm sorry that the guy couldn't bring a team that was not that good to the finals. Look, I'm okay. Which backs getting, up your point that they weren't that good. We're, we're getting off topic. It's been a 20 year run of futility. How many organizations really have had? runs of futility that are that much longer than that. I mean, it's so I feel like your son is in for some good stuff ahead. Like the, the, like it just, the odds have to balance out, right? Yes. At some point, the law of averages says the law of averages. Thank you. Should be, you should not be complete ass anymore, but you know what? If three years ago, I told you the Knicks would win 41 and well, 41 out of 72, which translates to like 47, 47, and then 37, you'd say like, okay, we're going in the right direction. So 
now when people try to act like, you know, it's, you know, we're the worst team in the world for being 37 to 45. I say, do you remember where we were two years ago when we were yelling? I remember there was like, we were, there were Knicks fans who were hoping for a playoff push under the Mike Miller led Knicks with Alfred no. Payton at point guard and Julius Randle. And I remember we went into a game in Atlanta, which we lost in double OT and guys like, yo, if we get this game or like that was when they had one, had they won four or four? They won like four in a row. Yeah. They won four yes. in a row. Yeah. And it was like, if they win this game, then they're like three games out of yes. the eighth seed. That's exactly what it was. They lost yes. in double OT. And like, so Look where now look where we are. But, you know, for some people, it's not good enough. But I digress. Well, no, but it's funny you say that because like I, you know, as you know, I write the newsletter and I I don't. And one of the things we're going to talk about is is Twitter and where the where the Twitter thoughts are nowadays. Um, I don't go on Twitter that much. I get a lot of my fan interaction from people who comment on the newsletter. And I go back and forth with them. And I, I, my sense is, and I do scroll Twitter too, a little bit, not so much interaction. But my sense is that coming off of the losses to the Bucks and the Cavs, the mood is very, is very dour. It is not, it is not a, a happy group right now. And I was thinking about this because, like, if you look at the league right now, if you, if you boil it down to teams that were supposed to be good, and like we like like there's a possibility that they are actually good as opposed to like maybe Utah who like all due respect to Utah they're probably not going to win 50 games um so teams that like had a had a nice ceiling this year and that have actually executed on that and have looked crisp and like solid play good two-way basketball like whenever they go out on the court i think you'd say that Milwaukee and Cleveland are two of like three, four, maybe five teams if you want to push it. I mean, the Suns, you want to throw the Celtics in there, although they've had some shaky moments. I don't even want to go, like Pelicans, maybe like and, and even the Grizzlies like have have had their moments, but like they're they're usually pretty solid and like I, they lost one game. The job was not there. So my point is, I'm not sure if we should be looking at these two games and, you know, the sky is falling because of these two losses. No, you're right. Like I, I've said it on Twitter. I've said it to friends. I've said it everywhere. After six games, we have won the games we're quote unquote supposed to, and we have lost the games we're quote unquote supposed to. So I think someone said, was it Benji? It might've been Benji. What he said, like, if, if, if you're mad at the Riddick's record during these games, you should be mad at your expectations yes. because why did you think we were going into Milwaukee and like, yes, we could have won. And yes, the way that we lost stunk like an 18 0 run in the third or yeah. against Cleveland. I, you know what it is? It's that you get into the game and, and, and um, the hope brings you in. Um, I will, if we have time at the end, I will tell you a story about the sporting event that changed the way I watch sports. And it was basically how, Tell you're, it now. I want to hear you can't you can't tease like that. Tell it now. Okay. So as as I reminded you, I'm a Ravens fan. I, 20, I really don't like that you keep reminding me of it, but continue. Did I say that out loud? Okay. So me being a fan of Baltimore Ravens, I was watching. So the 2012 AFC Championship game. No, I take a step back. The 2011 AFC Championship game. Uh, Ravens at Patriots, and I, I went to that game thinking, all right. 
this is this is now I'm confident because we always play New England tough. But hey, this is tough to win the AFC title, get to win the AFC championship in New England in January is going to be tough. So it's fine if we lose. It's OK. It's a great season. Da, 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 da. And there was a play where Joe Flacco threw a pick and I was like, right, whatever. And then the very next play, Brady takes a shot and like takes a shot downfield. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Smith does this one-handed oh, like Jimmy tip. Smith. He tips it and he and he tips it to somebody or some like he or someone tipped it to. I think it was like parlor tips to him, whatever. And they got this amazing pick. And after that, I was all in. I was invested. Like we're gonna like I was like all that level setting shit went out the window. You let yourself and believe. And then and then and then as we drove for what should have been the game winning drive. Joe Flacco throws a pass to Lee Evans and I see the ball disappear in Lee Evans's arms. And for one half second, I think we're in the Super Bowl and Sterling Moore knocks it out. Ooh. All right. That was second down. Then it's third down incomplete. Okay. At least we're going to overtime, except wait a minute. Billy Cundiff just kicked a 32 yard field goal wide. And I, that I was completely broken. I was completely broken so bad like i actually my friend's a giants fan i called him i was living in harlem at the, t- at the time and i said can you meet me at harlem tavern because i am distraught and i need to go somewhere and i need to get out of this house <laughs> and <laughs> and i do get a better i didn't know i was just like i need to walk so he lived he lived like 20 blocks up the street i lived like three and i met him there and i was just he just see i was just distraught because i was like yo how could we lose this game all i like this part of the story by the way this is i'm enjoying all of this and he said to me sean my cousin always told me if you get too high or too low when it comes to sports you ain't been in the game long enough mm-hmm. and he said that to me and i said he's exactly right and i am at the time that was 20 it was January 2012. So I was about to turn 31 and I was like, I'm a 31 year old man. I'm distraught about a football game. And so I looked at sports differently ever since then. Now we won a Super Bowl next year and I was ecstatic. Um, But so now it's like, I have properly calibrated my expectations when it comes to a sporting event. So what now there are times now, listen, I will say this. The whole calibrate. Listen, if the Knicks are in the God help, if the Knicks ever make like a finals run or the championship, all that's going out the window. Like they can have that, but that's I will, that that's different. Out the window for that, that's yes. that's different. And I'll, I'll give you a theory that I have that I'm I am workshopping, which is that the like most NBA teams for significant portions of an average game will look. Quite good and even good enough that you're like, oh, they could win this game. And then, of course, they're playing another team that also has those same qualities and and some one team will win and, and one team will lose. I don't I think for so many years, we became so used to not having that feeling because we were. Uh, one of the very, you know, the however many teams, four or five, six teams that just on a lot of nights, we wouldn't look like a team that could mm-hmm. win. Um, on any given night because it was just so dysfunctional and it was just like, you know, those teams where you watch and you're like, oh, yeah, this team, you know, they might trip into a win every now and then, but it's not. And then now the last last year, especially 
they had these large portions of games where it's like, oh, like, and then you'd think like, okay, they could win this game. That's just normal. That's just being a normal basketball team. You know, you're playing another team that's also pretty good. And then when you don't have um, top end talent, and then last season there was also just, you know, there was some bad juju on that team as well. You know, you you lose. Um, It is what it is. No, you're, you're right. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Nick's Film School. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, the WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to start winning. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. I can be just like, I'm disappointed. Like, I'm disappointed that we lost the Cavs game. I was disappointed that we lost the, 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 the Grizzlies game. game. Yeah. Um, the the, the Bucks Grizzlies team, I wasn't, I can't say I was like, I mean, I'm disappointed just because of like, it was like, all right. I was just disappointed because they lost. Cause like, you know, I want us to win. Yes. Um, but I calibrate my expectations so that, all right, I'm, I'm disappointed for a few minutes and then I take a deep breath and I'm like, all right, well, we weren't supposed to win the game anyway. Um, especially like I knew that Donovan Mitchell was going to do what he did because, you know, nothing you like a trade for Mitchell. Yes, but not at the price. And, and so I have been arguing with people on Twitter about this and the, God bless you. the pushback no, so it's the pushback of people who believe that Leon Rose totally fucked this up is like maddening because are there things he could have done differently? Yes. However, I always go back to this because why I, I, okay, because I, I heard you discuss this on, I think, I forget which show it was. It was a re, it was it was a recent recent. No, it was it was a, it was a post game, and someone okay. was like, "How Ainge was never trading him to us," and you pushed back. I yeah. I I believe that Danny Ainge wanted to make the best possible deal. I do also know that Danny Ainge is a human being, and the question I have, and I say that because human beings listen hear things and may consciously or subconsciously be affected by them. I, I do. I think Danny Ainge was like, Oh, these motherfuckers showed up to a playoff game to watch our player. I'm not trading them. No. Okay. Do I believe that he felt as if, do I feel that he felt he was going to stick it to the Knicks one way or another, because he knew he was dealing with a quote franchise as quote unquote, Desperate for a star. Yeah. Shout out to Stephen A. And yeah. do I think he felt 
good. Not good. Do I think he felt some joy afterwards in the fact that he traded Donovan Mitchell and got the picks and he did not he did not acquiesce to the demands that the star never really made because he was too afraid to get flamed at his mentions by people in Utah. So the thing I always say, and you can push back on this is, and this has been reported by Woj, and I know we the Twitterari and people will pick and choose when they want to believe and not believe a report based on a narrative, but why didn't someone who said, I want the best deal, why didn't they go back to the Knicks after Cleveland made their offer? Because... Okay, well, give me your answer. Okay, You have two answers. And because Cleveland, and I'm taking this from Zach Lowe, so I will drink two. Cleveland literally offered everything they could. He said, it's like, we literally have no more to trade. All we can trade are these three firsts and these two swaps. By rule. That. Yeah. The Knicks have 11 first round picks over the next seven years. So they have more to trade. If you want the best deal, and if we are going to follow the story that Knicks first round picks, unprotected Knicks first round picks, are yeah. the are gold the gold standard of currency in the league, why wouldn't you not at least pick up the phone and say, Leon, I got this from Cleveland. I'm going to take this. Can you beat it? I, and if he says no, fine. And, and if Cleveland, if Danny called, and obviously Danny's not really calling Leon, but if the Jazz called the Knicks and the Knicks say we're not going to beat it, then you can crush them and be like, the, the, you had you had to get you had the ball on the tee you had it on the tee yeah. and and you went full you went full Beltron struck, struck out looking shout out to Andrew Claudio, um, I, but he didn't and I'm just like but you wanted the best you wanted the best deal the best the team with the most capital that was involved you did not go back to so I would love to hear your pushback and you probably a couple, since you are a go ahead no I have a couple things one I think Danny went into the process feeling like. As long as he negotiated soundly, which I think he felt as him and or his front office was going to be able to do, he was in something of a no lose situation in that he would drive New York to the point where they were most comfortable going, which I think he knew and was confident the whole time was going to be a pretty high, pretty good, good, goodly package. And it was based on what was mm-hmm. reported. Right. And that he would either get to a position where he could either take that package or hold that package. Right. And then, or and basically just if he didn't feel like it was enough or all that he could get, put it in his back pocket and um, seek other offers, which is essentially what ended up happening. Yeah. Um, that's number one. And on the RJ extension point, it was reported at the time that just because the extension happened, did not like it ended up being a kibosh on the deal, but it was not that was not immediately the case. They could have st- and I went through it at the time and we're not going to go rehash it, but there was a possibility they still could have made that deal in any case. Agreed. Yeah. So that's that's number one. Number two, I think because the Knicks were haggling so much over the 
the the points that they were haggling over, right? So it was either it was Grimes, or if it's not going to be Grimes, and it's going to be you know another young player. Quickly, we we've heard plus you know another pick, and then there would be protections. The Knicks were always trying to keep those distant picks off the table. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's package was so, and I think you're seeing this now in how Utah is like using Laurie Markkinen and. Um, I think between the players and the distance of the picks, I think Ainge felt it was to a certain extent useless to go back and really negotiate with the Knicks because of how much better he felt that that, that the Cleveland package was than any of the Knicks had offered at that time. That's number two. Number three, I have to think from Cleveland's perspective, there's at least, mm-hmm. and this again, I know this was not reported, but I, you would think just like the way these things go. This was not like Kobe Altman being like, okay, here's what we're offering. Take all the time that you need. Don't worry about it. We'll be here waiting. There had to be some sense of urgency. That's number three. And this is the big one is number four. Look, I'm not, (laughs) I can't believe I have to say this out loud. I'm not Ian Bagley. I'm not someone who knows any of the things that that all the people know. But I do remember that day. The day the trade went down and it went down at about three o'clock, right? Yes. Okay. I was getting like text DMS, whatever from just different people who had been giving me little snippets along the way, just, and I don't, it doesn't even matter what they were, but that they were, there were, there were things floating around in the air, right? Mm -hmm. After several days of nothing, right? The two sides walked away from the table. They were not negotiating after the RJ extension. Mm -hmm. There was like, Oh, are the, is, is, is Utah now demanding four first round picks or the Knicks thinking of offering four first round picks. There was like stuff floating Mm -hmm. around. I am of the belief that the Knicks had some inkling that there was something happening out there. And mm-hmm. as far and correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, you remember it as well. I don't think the reporting was that like the Knicks had like absolutely like I think they were shocked that a deal got made. But I don't know mm-hmm. that it was ever reported that the Knicks had absolutely no inkling that like there was something else potentially going on. I think the Knicks did have an inkling and I bet you if they would have gotten on the phone with Utah and said, here, four firsts, RJ and Grimes, I I think they would have potentially gotten Don Mitchell. Now, if they had made that trade, we'd all be sitting here and be like, oh, my God, what did what did they do? Um, mm-hmm. That would be my response. I don't know that for certain that last part, but that is my that is my working assumption. Does any of this matter? I don't know. Um, I I do think, however, that um, if Leon Rose sitting here today knew like if you if he could go back in time and like him knowing how it was going to play out, mm-hmm. I bet you he would have. I bet you he would have done. I, he would have never given them a chance to go to Cleveland. Can I jump in, John? Yes. yes. So two things. One, can I do my best John Macri impersonation for Please. a second? Because I might actually have some intel on this. I had, yeah. I had I had like a, a person reach out to me. I've been sitting on this, but like I've told I told friends about this because Donovan Mitchell went on with JJ Redick and he said this the day after the press conference and the day of his press conference when he was introduced with the Cavs and was like, I really thought I was going to be a Nick. Like I was told I would be a Nick by the end of the weekend. And as we know, that weekend we heard talks were heating up that Sunday night. They all went to bed thinking a deal would get done on Monday. On Monday, something changed and the Knicks extended RJ. And then three days later, Donovan Mitchell's in Cleveland. Um, The league office also thought this was done. He was headed to New York and they were preparing media 
for it. Like the league was getting ready to fully sure. market like Donovan Mitchell is going to New York City. And Leon pulled the plug because of protections, which makes sense with every single thing we've heard that he didn't want to. And this is why I keep going back to Dexter Henry and what he said, like they'd be in no man's land with Donovan Mitchell, but they'd have nothing to move forward with. I don't know what this team would look like. Now you're closer because you got the first guy in the building and who knows what Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson are together. But as far as like do-overs are concerned, I also think Leon seeing what this team was would have also, I don't think he took the Cleveland offer seriously. I think he, he always thought he had the best. You mean the Cleveland possibility, the possibility. I think he he thought like, I have all the, like Sean said, seven first round picks. Although I, I think the Knicks also overvalued the four protecteds. Like they were a thing and the swaps, like they were a thing that it was, I think I could get away with this with RJ and two and then a bunch of protecteds and the, the jazz clearly didn't think as highly of RJ and wanted three unprotecteds in the future. And when they went to Cleveland and the negotiations were more seamless than two months of talking to the Knicks, it was like, all right, I don't, I don't want to go back to this. Having said that, to go back to the, the the original question that you asked Sean, I also like would have loved Donovan Mitchell on this team. I also know that this team ceiling isn't that high with Donovan Mitchell. It'd been more fun to watch. Yeah. I just I don't know where the improvement comes from. After there this. are people on Rihanna's internet <laughs> who believe. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> on yes, Bruce? the internet belongs to Rihanna. You did uh, not know. I did we'll not know. Okay. <laughs> is that a two America's people- thing? Hold on. Is that a two America's thing where John and I <laughs> no, wouldn't get no. it? Okay. <laughs> That's fantastic. This, <laughs> there are people on Rihanna's internet okay. who believe that the Knicks could have made that deal. There are people who believe that the Knicks could have made, because I believe that Chris Broussard had reported back in July that the original asking price was six firsts, which would have yeah. been like Three unprotected and like three of the protected joints, whatever, right? Yeah. So sure. it would have been like six first, Obi, Mitch, and right. probably like Forney, whatever, right? Wow. And there are people who believe that Knicks could have made that deal and then still had enough assets to build a championship team around Donovan Mitchell, or that Donovan Mitchell is at the level where if I get him in the building, I can figure out everything else. And I don't believe none of those things to be true. Neither of those to be true. I don't either, I to do be clear. Be- huh? I don't either, to be clear. Yes. So that's what, and but the problem is the people that believe that, and I can't believe we were rehashing the Donovan Mitchell trade again, <laughs> but the people who believe that, those are the people that say that Leon fucked up. And I push, and that's why I push back on them. I, I say, you. well, okay. the problem is, I don't know if Leon ever had a chance, like, they never called Leon back. And to your point, John, I agree with you. They had like, this is the, he's Leon Rose. He's, he's on um, Varys from Game of Thrones. He has ears everywhere. So he had to know something was wrong. You hope, him, right? We have, well, if he didn't, then Jesus Christ. But <laughs> Danny, just say like, hey, this is, Cle- listen, Cleveland, get, get, Cleveland gave me an offer. They said, I have one hour. What you got for me? And if he tells you, if he t- and Leon tells him to fuck off, then he tells him to fuck off. Okay. But give him the chance to tell Maybe. you to fuck off. Can I, have a question? Can I ask a question? What's to say he didn't? 
And we just like have heard we, we've just gotten PR from everywhere that the Knicks because we did hear what the Knicks final offers were. And maybe Danny Ainge like was like, this is the offer I've got from Cleveland. I'll say, and then Leon I'm not, Rose decided, I'm going to start writing this RJ Puff piece about how we love him and never tried to trade him. Sean, I'm, I'm not disputing you, but I will I will say it is in the Knicks best interest. Knowing how the Knicks operate, I think it is undisputable that it is in the Knicks best interest for the word to be out there that the Knicks get never got a chance to match the offer. And quite frankly, I think the it's certainly, I, I think it's in Cleveland's best interest because it makes them look like they, like they were like, okay, you do this deal, take the deal or, or leave and which you, you, you want if you're the Cavs mm-hmm. and it, like, if you're you like, are any jazz fans mad at that? like at the deal that they got. No. So I don't think it's in, it's against Utah's best interest to make it seem like they made, you know, they got the offer and like never went back to the Knicks. Um, You know, I look, I did, they screw up. They were, this is the, this is the, the position they're in. They, they did the best that they could and they wanted a guy and they didn't get a guy and whether they would have done more if they'd given the chance, it's it's almost neither here nor there. Um, What I do think is interesting now, though, is whereas the with the Don and this is what I want to pick your brain about. Whereas I think the Donovan Mitchell conversation during the summer was more focused on like, well, we'd have to give up so much, and why are we negotiating against ourselves? And like, you know, that's stupid. That's LOL Knicks type of stuff from the past, and we don't want to go down that road. Now it's more like that. We're people again. A lot of fans out there, I think, are watching the games, and it's like, okay we're a mediocre basketball team and they had a chance to not be a mediocre basketball team anymore. And they, they did not, they, they did not do the thing that would have made them, you know, probably, um, you know, not, not mediocre anymore. And I think people are, are coming and now like to like a reckoning about that fact. And I don't know how well that's going over. And I think that is why there's a little bit of a sour feeling, even though, as we all agree, hey, they're three and three. They've looked pretty good. They have a, they're sound, competent, the whole thing, right? Would you? What are your thoughts on that? No, I think you're right. I think there are people, there are people who say, "Well, look what Donovan Mitchell did. Look what Donovan Mitchell did." Um, as I tell my son, do not come downstairs while I record. Listen, um, man, we, we have to talk to our kids live on the bot sometimes. It happens. <laughs> my daughter comes um, out once a post game. It, it's inevitable. <laughs> there are people who believe that like Donovan Mitchell, simply by adding him, our floor would have been what the Jazz were for the majority of his career, um, including like, you know, being the one seed in, in the 2021 and got it up. And I have to remind those people that those teams had Rudy Gobert and we do not have Rudy Gobert. And of course, these people say we have Mitchell Robinson. And I say Mitchell Robinson is not Rudy Gobert. And he cannot set a screen in year five, but that's either here nor there. Well, so, no, it is it is here and there because it's 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 part of the answer to this question, which is what is this team and what is this team not? You know. Yeah. So I feel like there are people that believe that. You tell these, you talk to these people who are like the sky is falling, and I literally had a rant the other day on yesterday on KCDA where I said I'm sick and tired of listening to people cry and bitch and moan about players on other teams. Like, let it go. Um, there's, there's this feeling that's like, we should have made a trade because who are we going to get? 
And I tell them, have you been paying attention to the NBA the last decade? Every 12 to 18 months, somebody says, you know what? I want out. And they're like, well, who's going to be this time? I was like, I don't know. But then again, three years ago, did we see James Harden saying, I want out? Did we see Donovan Mitchell? Like, so I see why I can see why Leon will not have made a deal because he's probably thinking, all right, there's rumblings going on. There's always a, there's going to be a guy because that's just the nature of the bit. That's just how the league has operated. I went through it over the summer. I wrote a whole newsletter and did the, I forget where, where I set the bar, but I set the bar, I think maybe at like three all-star teams by the age of 25. And like, this is a thing. I forget what the exact numbers were, but this was an incredibly rare thing for the the very large history of the league. And then starting with the mellow trade, it's it has set off, um, you know, a chain of not a chain of events because that well, maybe you could look at it that way, I suppose. But it's like it is once every year to year and a half. You know, if you and if you bend the qualifications a little bit like Deron Williams, Deron Williams didn't like meet whatever bar that I set. But I remember when Deron Williams was traded, I remember how the esteem yes. that Deron Williams was held in amongst the league. There was a Deron Williams, Chris Paul conversation for a little while there um, that we, we forget about now, but like, I agree with you. Someone else is going to be on the moves and I, I it's just, it's hard to see in the moment. That's, that's yes. all. And I, I will give the, the whiners and the complainers. I will throw them a bone here when I say, cause like I said earlier, I'm 41 years old. When I'm talking to people, a lot of them are younger than us. So if you started we're watching old. this, yes. So if we're, yeah. But if you started watching this team in, I don't know, 2002, you have seen squad douche for the most part. <laughs> there I, I'm going to co-opt that word at some point very soon. Well, I, well, I co-opted it from Tony Reale, so you can have it. Uh, I'll borrow but, it. I'll borrow it. Yeah. But there, you know, there's the there's the Stefan Marbury. We got swept by the Nets team in 04. There's the uh, the mellow playoff teams. There's the 54 win season. And there's this we here season. Yeah. That's it. That's the list. So I can understand the frustration of like, like I say it all the time. The Golden State Warriors were the New York Knicks. They were. And like they were awful, they were awful. We all remember, yeah. The, Chris Mullen ring, Chris Mullen night, yeah, booing Joe like. And what happened? David Kahn decided to take two point guards, not named Steph Curry, and the rest is history. And we and I actually have this discussion with people all the time. The amount of luck the Knicks have not had is in the last twenty years is un. Believable. Well, them From, and the them them and the Mavs are the only teams that have never moved up in the lottery, and throughout the entire through, since you know since Ewing. It, yeah, between that, uh, the you know Curry getting taken a pick before us, getting Porzingis injury, Porzingis injury, getting the third pick in a quote unquote two player draft, getting the second pick and getting the second like having the second worst record and getting the fourth pick, having the worst record and getting the third pick. Meanwhile, I watched the Los Angeles Lakers for three straight years, get the third pick in a draft. I think two of those years, it was like they will move down unless they get number two and they get number two. Uh, and they were trying to win. They went into all those years they were trying to win. They Cleveland, to win. 
Cleveland, who goes out of their way to be ass and yes. is was literally chasing, like literally chasing the AFC, has won the lottery four fucking times. Like, including like, oh my goodness. You if you think about I, I said this on spaces. I said, think about all the luck Cleveland has had. Like, first of all, arguably the greatest player of all time is born 45 minutes down the road and they win that draft lottery. That matters. Right? That matters, right? Uh, he leaves because Cleveland's a dumpster fire. They win. They win the. They win. So they they win the Kyrie. They win the Kyrie Irving lottery. They win the Andrew Wiggins lottery, and they win the. They don't forget took, about Anthony. Be- don't forget they about took Anthony, Anthony Bennett number one. And they, I believe it's. I'm pretty sure it's the Kyrie the lottery. The Kyrie lottery they won because they they. With the trade with the Clippers, yeah, with Baron Davis salary dump, Baron Davis salary dump, and the Clippers said, "Here's our pick, unprotected, and it wins." And why is that? And they get Kyrie Irving. And then what happens? Because Kyrie Irving's there, LeBron says, "You know what? I like to go back to Cleveland." And because them two are there, I like to get Kevin Love. And you know what? I can trade this other number one pick that I want again. And they take that and they go and they get Kevin Love and they win the championship. That runs his course. Then Kyrie says, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. Let me go. So they trade him to Boston for the number four pick, which turns into Colin Sexton. And then they're ass anyway. But then they get Darius Garland and now they're okay. And because they have Colin Sexton, guess who's in the Donovan Mitchell deal? Colin Sexton. It's just like this this continuous line of just fucking falling ass backwards in this shit. So I, Meanwhile, we can't get a freaking break. So I, I agree with the sentiment of that. I really do. My worry is that the Knicks moment to take advantage of another team's misfortune or stupidity or whatever word you want to use that there have, that that we have had our moments and failed to take advantage. Um, Shout out to our good buddy, Yash, who likes to bring this up probably on a biweekly basis at this point um, about how, Phil almost traded Kristaps for whether you want to talk about the package that may have brought them, you know, Devin Booker or to the Celtics, a package that would have brought them like the Tatum pick and like Jalen Brown or whatever, you know, like that was there potentially, maybe obviously that trade didn't happen, you know, and then you could look at again, not to bring up Donovan Mitchell again, but like there were people in the building who wanted to draft Donovan Mitchell and Phil and shout out Clarence, Clarence Gaines. We love Clarence. I love Clarence Gaines. Um, Twitter, Twitter friend of mine. Uh, I think he was partially instrumental in helping convince Phil like, Hey, this kid, this kid, Frank Villacina, he's really, you know, he's the cat's pajamas. Uh, you, you could run your offense. It, you know, that was an opportunity and you could go down the line. Um, I hope those weren't our chances that like, Oh, those were your opportunities and you blew them. Now, what is inevitably going to happen, I think, because I don't think they're lucking into some trade. I, I, as we talk about all this time, free agency is dead or it's going to be dead for at least the foreseeable future. Um, I could see it being a situation where in a season like this one, or maybe it's next year or the year after that, where it's like, okay, they're supposed to be decent. 
fall a little short. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's a couple injuries. Maybe the coach gets fired. Maybe they go into the tank a la Golden State. Not when they got Steph, but when they drafted Harrison Barnes. Um, mm-hmm. And they they get lucky finally. Whether it's get lucky by their a, a guy who shouldn't fall falls to them, or maybe they actually move up. If if it's going to happen and, and the luck finally turns, if I was a betting man, I would bet on it happening through the draft. That would be my that would be my wager. But I think that would mean that Leon Rose's grand plan has not gone according to plan. So, yeah. Yes. Um, I so you're right. There are there are definitely fork in the road moments for the franchise where you can say what if like the Kristaps thing and you know or or what if Steve Mills instead of just instead of just taking what Dallas offered them just said you know what let me just pick up the phone and see if I can get anything else more for Kristaps Porzingis that's that's do that's doing a what if of like what if this person was competent at their job which I, I I can't I I can't I can't deal in those what ifs, Sean. I'm sorry. I just I don't I don't have that in me. Shout out to Steve Mills. Um, oh, God. Talk about woefully underqualified to do the job. Um, but you know, but that leads us back to the present day, which is like, you know, Steve Mills is not running the Knicks anymore, and I, I don't want to bash Steve Mills, but like, it's not Phil Jackson, it's not Isaiah Thomas. It is a group of people that are knowledgeable about what they're doing. They have some modicum of expertise, mm-hmm. um, whether they're great at their jobs or like just mediocre at their jobs. It's like they, you know, they know how to put one foot in front of the other. And that mm-hmm. is a good thing. And in this market and like they have, you know, I, as you know, well, know, I think they have a good coach and I think they have a pretty good culture at this point. We haven't brought up the nets once on this podcast. My Lord. Um, I was actually so- about to, but for a different reason. Um, I'm curious what what the reason is. So like, yeah, all of that stuff is good, but it does, it does, you know, harken back to like, okay, so we're, we're okay. We're decent or like, you know, around decent and we're, you know, mediocre. And I do think that that is frustrating. And the last thing I'll say, and then I'll turn it back to you, the people that I feel the worst for are not the young fans who have never seen any, any real success. It's for, and these are the people in my, in my newsletter comments, the people who are like, you know, I was I, I was born like or I started following the team like right after the championships, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been living. I've been dealing yeah. with this shit or or like even the people who remember the championships, maybe they were kids, you know, mm-hmm. and they're just like, I just, I just want to see it. I just want to see a team that can go out there and maybe win 50 games like I feel I feel for those people. Yes, um, no, I, I do. Um, like. Ray Marcano, who's probably been around for a long time, and Lord Shout knows he's probably yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I was going to break up the Nets because that was another instance where the Nets made arguably the worst trade of the 21st century. and and we're stuck in complete and utter like that the definition of sub purgatory and just so happened to be frisky the one year Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are available because they, they had to be frisky. Yes. But now say what you want. Now we can, we can talk about what's happened to that franchise since then. Oh, can we take 10 seconds to laugh at the Brooklyn Nets? Andrew, you want to come in for this? <laughs> oh. I, the city's uh, under new management. <laughs> it's a cool team, Andrew. It's a cool uh, team, Sean. Uh, I feel bad for all of their fan. I thought it was 87. All 87, all 87, yeah. All 87. But like I watch, like I it's like because you know there's the there's the crew out there that believes like the only way to win is to tank. And it's like, oh, so your plan is to get lucky. Great. But it's you know, they say like you can't you have to be you have to tank to be bad. And I'm like, you know what? I saw Houston never tank and get James Harden. I saw Brooklyn never not tank because they couldn't and get Katie and Kyrie. I saw Miami never tank and they got Jimmy Butler. But now I'm but like when we try to say, let's just be competitive and not suck. We have people in our own fan base that tell us it's the worst idea in the world. And then the opportunity is that the opportunity isn't there. So that's why I'm just like frustrated. Like, can we catch, like, can we, can we catch a break? Like, and I can't believe I feel it feels like I'm just like sour grapes on this bitch. I don't care. Like, listen, did the immortal Danny Ainge try to trade four first round picks for Justice Winslow? And Michael Jordan said no. Like, can I have one of those? Is that asking too much? <laughs> 30 years, 30 years. Can I get one? I I let me say this about the the tanking thing, because I mean me and Andrew talk about it a lot. I I until the end of I in NBA totally disincentivizes tanking. I do think there is a logic to it. Um, I'm happy this team's not tanking. I, I am. I, I genuinely mean that. I'm happy they're not tanking. I'm happy to watch Jalen Brunson be a really, really good NBA player. Um, I, I I think this team is going to be fun this year. I know the last couple of games weren't fun. I think they're going to be fun. Um, I think they're an imperfect... Here, that's what part of the thing that is bugging me. They They're... And I wonder if this is also why there, there's a lot of people out there that are are frustrated. Like, it's not just that they're mediocre. It's that they're mediocre and that it is very clear to me, at least. And there may be folks out there who feel differently. And again, I'll turn to you because you are on Twitter a lot more than I am. It is very clear to me that the, the they are constructed in a way that I think... A, a basketball team in twenty the year of our Lord twenty twenty two should not be constructed where in terms of like where guys want to be on the court and where guys want to operate and like you don't necessarily have the spacing or the shooting um to to 
to have a, you know, a, a team that is as functional as it, it probably needs to be on most nights to go against like really good defenses or to stay in games like late in the fourth quarter. Um, that's a little frustrating, but I also don't blame this front office for that at all. Um, maybe not at all, not at all, but I don't, I don't, I don't put a ton of blame on them. Cause like, I, again, I can't blame them for the Julius extension. If they weren't good, if the, the, the Mitchell deal fell through, yes, they obviously should have extended Barrett um, and kept him here. It's just the, the pieces don't fit great. I think that's part of it too. Yes. Um, I, and I also do not like, there is a lot to tanking. I just put back on the people, people that believe that tanking is the only way and that it's foolproof because Lord knows it isn't. Um, it's funny you say about, you know, the team isn't perfect. It's roster construction. And you say that, you know, you understand the Randall extension. And I, I understand the Randall extension also. And I think that the people out there that try to act like, the Julius Randle being the 49th highest paid player in the league is this crippling albatross of like, yeah. you know, garbage is like whatever. But I just do think about like, <clears throat> what if they had just said, all right, I, I said this on a play, but I said this on not a playback. I said this on a pregame show. Most teams, if they have the third pick and the eighth pick in consecutive years, they yeah. say, we're going to build around these two guys. We're, or at the very least, we're going to see what these two guys are. And this front office, and I've defended this front office more than most. This front office inherited the third pick, took the eighth pick, and then instead of trying to see what they have, they said, okay, let's see if these guys can fit into what we are trying to do. Yeah. And that included not taking a ham sandwich for Julius Randle in November of 2020. I reference it all the time. 11 and 14. They were 11 and 14. It was right there for them. And instead of trading Randle, they traded for Derrick Rose. That was the pivot point. Fuck 11 and 14. You took a power forward eighth. I remember one John DeC Macri tweeted, well, I hope Julius has been renting. Because at that point, it should be like, we took a power forward eighth. Julius, thanks for the memories. It's time to say goodbye. But, but we, our front office, go ahead, John. We, no, we, but we didn't know it. I remember the conversations me and Jeremy had. And we were like, can they, can, is this, a, can, I mean, if they salary dump him, do they have to attach something? Or can they get something? Should they keep him into the seat? That was like the big point of conversation yes. that summer. That's why I don't point to the summer. I point to like, we were all like, okay, fine. You're going to keep him into the season. You want to rehab his value. Fine. Rehab his value. They reaped have this value. He started off the season shooting flames out of his butt. And I'm sure they could have found someone at that point to take him. And then we'd be looking at a very different situation right now. I think, I think, I think. Yes. But I think at the time you would say, you have said that, Every front, every team, every good team has needs found money, and they thought Julius has found money. Um, like, okay, at the very least, this dude could be the number two or number three. Like, we got something here that we can do with yeah. him. But I, at the same time, I'm like, all right, because this front office values value above everything, it was we can't trade him now. We'll only get at most, if we're lucky, a second round pick. But then when he turns into Larry Bird, 
It's we can't trade him now. He's Larry Bird. And then when he turns into the worst version of himself, it's we can't trade him now because now we'll have to attach something. And it's like, well, do you realize that you could have maybe got a top 58 protected second round pick? And you said, no, now the price, now the price of the brick has gone down. Can I and jump to in? me, it's just like, it, yes, Andrew. So what you're talking about, Sean, and look, it, it's, this is so, there's so much hindsight involved with Julius Randle because last season happened. And I think, all of the good that we felt during the we here season is just, it's just gone, especially with how good Obi looks and how much people want to see the keys be handed to the kid. Um, you were just talking about like, when are the Knicks going to get lucky? When are the Knicks going to be able to like have a, a guy suddenly show up that we didn't expect him to come from Julius Randle making second team all NBA that season. I think a lot of us, and I mean, like we, we just quoted one Jonathan C. Macri um, on draft night of 2020. I remember many a night where we thought the Julius Renaissance was sustainable. A lot of people yeah. did. And, you know, how much he bought into being a leader and bought into being the face of the Knicks. And yeah, all the long twos stopped falling his second year. Probably that should have been in more of an indication. But we thought we thought we at least had one of the guys that if Julius wasn't didn't turn back into a pumpkin last year, maybe trading for Donovan Mitchell isn't less of a question because it's pairing them two together, you know, but that's why, that's why we don't run the team a yeah. and, and to, to borrow an analogy from a, from a once pretty good basketball analyst. That's the difference between the Knicks made the Sonny Corleone move. Um, the Michael Corleone move was to ship Julius out as soon as he started that season off the way he did, you know, and um, they didn't, and now he's here. And I, I I hate always crapping on. I don't want to seem like I'm crapping on Randall. It's, it's not about it's not about Randall. I mean, I mean that genuinely. It is not about Julius Randall. It's about like he's a certain type of player with a certain type of game that is a certain type of fit. And it's a it's a tough fit if you're if you have Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett and you don't have a stretch five like all of, you know, this is just reality. It's the reality of the situation. Tell me a guy that is ball dominant and shooting six of 25 from three is a bad fit, John. I, I looked it up today. <laughs> shout out Obi Toppin. Yeah, Not that he needs any more shout outs. Um, ninth, I believe right now amongst power forwards in made in uh, three point makes per 36 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julius Randle is 51st amongst power forwards in three pointers made per 36 minutes. So that's like, I'm, that's just, that broke my brain. So he's worse than so many backups then. Yeah. He's, he's, he's shooting. He's making 1.1 made three per 36 minutes. OB is at 3.5. Yeah. The shot chart, the process is fine. He just, he needs to start making shots. <laughs> Sean has his head in his hand. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. So we've broken Sean in the first time he's <laughs> I, come on the pod. I, so I just go back to what Andrew said about, you know, like, that's a good point. Like, you know, maybe we got maybe we finally got lucky. You got our stroke of luck. I never believed it was sustainable. I never believed that Julius wow. Randle was going to be a good for you. One percent. I never believed he was going to be a 41 percent three point shooter for the rest of his career. Right. And I was like, OK. And honestly, I'll give the front office credit. I think they believe that also because they were like, all right. Let's try to get this dude some help so he doesn't have to try and do this all over again. Now, the players they brought in, good lord, but well, they, they, they like it was like okay, 
But the fact that he couldn't even shoot league at like to shoot league average from three, how about that? Right. But again, I go back to you drafted this kid eighth. Yeah. Yeah. You took and he's been good. Eighth. And he's been good. And he's probably took progressed every single year, which is what you want from the eighth pick, you know? And instead of just cutting your losses, because remember, that's November 2020. We're in the throes of the pandemic. Shit, everything's closed. Vegas thinks we're going to be the worst team in the league. Yep. There was absolutely no expectations to do anything. Nope. Why not wipe this late claim? But you know what? We had a head coach. We hired a head coach that wants to win every single game. The front office hired the head coach yeah. because be because he want he plays every game like it is game seven of the NBA finals. That is why they hired the man. That is why the yes. man is still employed. You're back. I agree. Yeah. Yes. And I knew that was coming because because <laughs> because John. John, heard. John. <laughs> John. No, it's true. You're right. It's true. You're a I just, I, right. I, it's the one thing that I can't do. Stop. He, he, the man has his clear flaws. But this is what they wanted. This is the guy no, that they wanted. Is, no, and I know this is what they, you know, they hired a head coach. They hired a head coach because their plan was instead of just taking the gap year, no. we are going to try to win game. And listen, I don't think it's a bad idea because I think if you have a team that's half decent in New York yeah. for a sustained amount of time, you will reap benefits that's not available. Because if Jewish Brown did what he did in Sacramento, he's not second team all NBA and he's definitely not an all-star. But maybe right. No, you're hundred percent right. It's it's completely sound logic. The reason why trading him early in that season was the Michael Corleone move is because you've hired Tom Thibodeau as your head coach, and you have to trust that even after you trade away what was unequivocally at the time his best player, he would still be able to have a positive developmental effect by holding guys accountable, the whole thing, all the stuff that didn't happen with Kevin Knox and other, I'm sure there's other players that we can name. Um, that's, that's the benefit you get from him. And that's where you as Leon Rose and worldwide West have to be strong enough to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll hear your voice out and you're going to be part of the decision-making process and the whole thing. But this is our ass on the line. We report to James Dolan. It's our decision. We're making this decision. We know you don't like it, but you're going to have to live with it because guess what? You don't have a choice. This is your last chance coaching. This is your third coaching gig. No one else is going to give you a head, a head gig. And I think he would have, it would have been really interesting to see how that team developed when he would have been, you know, quite literally forced to play, you know, the, the younger players on the team, but it didn't happen. I think that Leon, I think Tibbs made, and I'm just complete speculation because it's just me trying to justify why Tibbs does the bad things that he does. And I think he like, all right, promise me that you'll give me, like, we'll just try to win. Like promise me that like, I'm not going to be, we're not going to tank. I'm not going to be developing kids because to, to, 
to your point, this is his last coaching job. He probably didn't want to oh, spend three years yes. trying to develop when, shit, right? When he signed on, I am sure he was given assurances. This is not going to be yes. a tank job. We are going to try. We're going to go for it. And we want you to go for it in all the ways that you you know how to go for it. Because yes. that's the only way you know how to coach. Otherwise, they wouldn't yes. hire him. They would hire, you know, yes. whatever. Kenny Atkinson or something like that. Or Jason, I just, well, Jason Kidd, probably. Yeah. Um, I just... See now I, we're I just, now we're now we're no better than the people who were bitching and moaning because we're sitting here huffing and puffing about look things are things are good they're playing well Julius's approach is good um, RJ's just hit three or four from deep maybe he's going to hit three or four from deep every game for the rest of his career we don't know and you know table. what makes me huff and puff about well, Tom Thibodeau the most we, we, because yes. mo- because mostly you're right. Tom Thibodeau is who he is. You knew who he was, who he is. I think it's, you know, I think that it ha- I think the idea that it's like, okay, you, I think the idea of like, um, I will be inflexible or you can fire me is not good culture setting, but what bothers me the most and will bother. And I will talk. If you ask about Tom Thibodeau, what will I remember the most? It's the press conference in Miami. Oh, where yeah it's the one it's like it's like dog what we've been asking for this is it right here this is it right here and instead of just saying hey the kids played well tonight we got some good minutes you know they've been coming along whatever it's let me tell you motherfuckers why you don't know shit (laughs) and it's like at that point it was like you know what Fuck this guy. Yeah, like, it, was, like, it was a lot of like, you know, you, you have Julius involved. And it's like, you realize the reason you won tonight is because Julius wasn't right. there. I think you had to put him back in in the fourth quarter. Right? I think he and, I think he well f- f- finished. Yeah, finished point. And the other thing is, I remember, I think it was after he got fired in Minnesota. He went on. I think he went on Zach Lowe drink and they asked him like, what he's been doing. And he's like. I've been going around to other teams and I've been talking to Greg Popovich. I've been doing this and I've been doing that and I've been learning and I've been changing and figuring out different things to do. And as soon as he gets a good job, he goes right back to everything he's always done. And for someone, again, who is looking their NBA coaching mortality in the mirror, you think that the best course of action is to double down. And when the evidence is staring like is staring you in the face like hey play these kids yeah. what do you have to lose mm-hmm. you don't watch the tape all yeah. right cool like at that point for me and i think he's a good i think he's a good coach when people say he's a bad coach i'm like no you're out of your mind like he's had three losing seasons out of 11 and he's been a head coach of the new york knicks and the minnesota timberwolves clearly he knows how to coach but it's just that just makes like it like at that point it told me like all right there is a I mean we knew it already there is a clear ceiling with this guy and he for whatever reason he will never unless we get lucky but and get like you know but like that's why that's for me like whenever I get frustrated with Tibbs I just go back to Miami and I'm just like that is like the that is the microcosm of the Tom Thibodeau experience that was his I believe that was his att- he he thought that that win i bet i would wager could perhaps irreparably damage the 
whatever was left of the fabric of the culture of the team. And I think the reason why he said what he said was after a a long season. And and again, all these guys hear all of this stuff. They all know what people are saying. I think that was his way of basically having, trying to have his guys backs, you know, that, that was not, that press conference was meant for his locker room more than the fans. You know, I don't think he gives a blessed fuck what, fans think of him. I am fairly certain he doesn't care. Um, but that's that's my explanation for that. As far as his, you know, his his inability to go outside of what is a usually a very small box, that's just his coaching philosophy. I think he believes that you get as good as possible in the you get as good as you 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 the smaller your boxes the easier it is to become an expert at the things you do in that box. And the wider your box goes, the harder it is. And I think with more talent, more top end talent specifically, Mm -hmm. I think we'd see him go outside the box a little bit more. And, but because I think he feels like the talent here is what the talent here is. I'm, I I got to keep it as small as possible and I got to keep this thing as self-contained as possible. And I got to keep it, my finger on the the pulse. And is there some ego in that? There's probably a lot of ego in that. I, I How how in God's name could you become an NBA coach without having an ego? Mm-hmm. Man's a two-time coach of the year award winner. You don't think that has seeped in a little bit? You know, of yeah. course it has. So I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not deaf to the, to the, you know, the, the pleas from people who are like, Tibbs drives us crazy. I get it. Can I add one thing before we wrap up? Please. Sean, do you watch or listen to the... I? This should be my drinking game. To the Dan Levitard show? Uh, intermittently, but yes. So I've been like, listening to Levitard for like years, though. So obviously same. And they're a Miami show. So they talk about the Miami Heat religiously. Mm-hmm. And I was listening, I think, either today or yesterday. And I heard them complaining that Spo just has an infatuation for the veterans on this team and won't stop playing them max minutes when there are better, younger options on the bench. And I was like, whoa, deja vu. Holy but that's hell. Every, but that's my that's point. Every I'm making is. your point, John. I'm making your point yeah. that this is not a, a Knicks specific yeah. issue. This is literally every coach does this unless the young player has shown to be special and shown to be good against starting units. Now, look, should the Knicks have pulled the plug last year and experimented with some younger players sooner? Yes, but that was not because I thought it would, like, we all thought it would, like, be a better alternative, but it was also, like, just see if it is, because the worst case scenario, if it does, then you've got a really good problem. You've got a team of young players that's too good to lose. And if it's bad, then, hey, your lottery, your draft pick improves and you're not drafting 11th this year, you know? It it was there for him on a silver platter. Yeah. After that, he... He pushed the platter away. After the Nets game, that's when they should have pushed the button. And to bring everything full circle, if they had pushed the button and IQ and Obi and Grimes and RJ were allowed to quote unquote flourish, maybe Donovan Mitchell is a Nick. Because in the I don't know, but the thing is, I'm not saying he would have. The problem is, I don't know. And they never try. They never gave us the opportunity. It's an unknown. I'll I'll agree with you that it is an unknown. Um, I think reasonable minds can differ, but yes. yes, that was the moment. That was the moment to 
to pull the plug and um and they did not do so. Hopefully this season there was no there's no similar path that they that they traverse and uh we win some games. I think this Hawks game is important, by the way. I'm gonna put that out there right now. It's the seventh game of the season. I think it's important. I think at home against a Hawks team that is once again a dumpster fire on defense. Uh hmm. go they're, they're bottom six, who last I checked. Go out and win this game. Like go out and win the game. Hawks take the fewest threes in the NBA. That's been your bugaboo. Like you should be able to that you should be able to beat this team. Got a bad feeling. Absolutely. Got a bad feeling. Thanks, Sean. I, I think you understand. Atlanta coming off of what's happened to after after takeoff died, you know, they're gonna oh, look to, that's the thing. Yeah. It's it that city just got rocked by one of the more tragic Mm-hmm. Uh, deaths, um, incidents, and yes. Now I will say the fact that it's in the garden might might not make it matter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if this was in Atlanta, I'd feel even even worse. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be looking at the Hawks money line. But you know? yeah, but I've also realized that you know there have been many times where it's like, oh, this happened, that should happen, and then it doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. but I will say that. You know, I saw someone on Twitter say like, oh, because the Hawks got clapped by like 30 by the Raptors. And it's like, oh, they're coming in angry. And I'm like, and <laughs> um, so like we beat this team eight out of the last 10 times we play in a regular season. So like I feel as if the funny thing is I feel as if we actually, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think, I think but they, they, they should like this is a game that's winnable. They should win it. They to be, could to be win cl- it. Yes. And they win it. To be clear, I think the Hawk. I would, if I was setting the line, I would favor the Hawks. I don't know if I'd favor them by a point, a half, half point, two point. I don't know, but I would favor the Hawks. Well, let me check the lines from our new friends over at WinBet in their sports book and see uh, what they've got for tomorrow. Um, I don't know if the lines, the lines don't always post this early. Uh, they are. You doubt our friends over at WinBet. Just sign up and download the app today or go to winbet.com and see what the lines are. And right do, now is... Wait, do you uh, want to play Guess the Lines? Uh, Sean, we'll play, we'll play guess, the guess the Lines. There we go. I'll okay, do... Lines. I will go... I'll go Hawks by a point and a half. I was going to say a point and a half. Um, I will say... I, I think it's going to be a point and a half. Okay. The Hawks? Yes. So you're both saying a point and a half. It's Knicks minus one and a half. Wow. The Knicks are favored in this game. So if you are doubting this said New York Knicks and thinking the Hawks coming in um, are angry, as Sean said, or maybe have more to play for because of what's happened in that city, it's a minus 110 to get the spread. They're minus 135 on the money line. The over-under for the game is 228 and a half. Um so there you go. The Knicks are favorites tomorrow at home against Atlanta. I guess that's fair. I mean, even age. even more so. Go go win the game. Um, yes, yes. Sean, I've kept you for too long. This was fun. Uh, can you let the folks at home know where they could find you and your and your and your thoughts and and stuff? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean with a W underscore. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I am the host of Next Film School's KFS Study Hall. Um, I also, from time to time, host a Twitter space called Live from the Mecca, which I co-host with Cedric. 
Dr. Shine and Jeff Johnson, aka Jeff J says. And um, yeah, you can and you can also find me in Twitter spaces yelling at people, defending the Knicks honor because um, I am, listen, when it comes to the Knicks on the internet, I am Jon Snow in Game of Thrones pulling out the sword against the onslaught of um, Renly Baratheon's army. Um, and that's that's what I like to do. So that's where you can find me. I That's awesome because I at one time, Sean, that is the energy that I brought to this. And I've since become a withered old man. <laughs> And Hold now on. I ju- <laughs> God bless you. Hold on. Hold on. The nerds out there are gonna be really mad. That why? was Ramsey Bolton's art. It was not- Ramsey Bolton. I don't know why. I said, <laughs> no, I was looking, I was looking it up. I was like, Renly Baratheon does not make sense. I was literally literally I was typing it on my phone. Like yeah, I watched that whole Ramsey show Bolton. and I didn't I would I, not have and I just lost all of my cool points that I like went out of my way to correct that. But I just I knew no, you should I could see the comments there being like it wasn't Redley, that was Ramsey's army at the and Battle be- of the Bastards. Yes, and before anyone sends for me on Twitter, I watch every episode of Game of Thrones. So like, yeah. I knew I'm not just being a cool guy. I was like, no, I remember it. I watched it live, whatever. But yes, the Battle of the Bastards. Hell yeah. And I, I think three straight times my wife and I have tried to again get through this fucking game of dragons, whatever the hell the name. <laughs> and every time and every time she falls asleep. Uh, I don't blame. We're I don't we're know. on like episode seven. We tried again to watch a little bit of it today and ten minutes she was passing out. I don't I don't know if it's gonna happen for us, but we'll keep trying. <laughs> it's dope. It's just my 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 overall review is like it's I mean it's it's a get to it show. Like get to it when you get to it. It's not like there, there's great stuff and great writing. There's just a lot of talking in rooms yeah, and then we'll, dragons. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to yeah. it. Um, Sean, anything else before we go? That's it. I am hungry. I got to put my guy, give my kid a bath. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought this would be an hour, but I could sit here for another hour and a half with you. So We're, maybe one day we'll get to catch up again soon. Oh, no, we, we definitely will. Um, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you, everybody out there, for catching another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We'll be back with you. Some more fun and games before you know it. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.